You're listening to the Fanfic Maverick Podcast, the show where I talk to fanfiction writers about their work and the marvelous world of fanfiction. This show may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. To the north, south, east, and west four corners of the world, greetings from the wild, arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue. This is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. This is the last Fanfic Maverick episode for 2021, guys. And I wanted to end the year by bringing some good vibes and encouragement to all of you amazing fanfiction writers out there. Last year, a very cool fanfiction-related Tumblr post by My Little Red Girl made the rounds throughout the online fanfiction community. Thousands of people saw it and reacted to it. I think it resonated with so many of us. It was amazing. I loved it when I saw it. So I am so happy to announce that My Little Red Girl is here with us today on the show to talk about that post. My Little Red Girl, welcome to the show. How are you today? I am doing wonderfully, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This is such an honor. I'm so excited to talk about this post because I feel like the essence of this post, I think it resonated with me so deeply because the mission of this podcast is so in line and in tune with what you shared on this Tumblr post. So I'm so excited to dig into it a little bit. But I did want to kind of go back just a little bit and talk a little bit about your history with fan fiction. I know from stalking your blog, you are an elder millennial just like me, right? Which is kind of funny for me to say, sometimes I feel like such an oldie in fandom and sometimes I feel like I'm still such a young baby. So it's this weird in-between <laughs> place to be, but it's always super cool when I meet a fellow elder millennial just like me. What is your history with fan fiction? How did you discover it? And when did you start writing fan fictions of your own after that? So I definitely started writing fan fiction long before I knew it was a thing. I thought I was the only one doing this thing. And so I was mostly writing for myself just to keep myself busy. When I was a kid, I, I wrote quite a bit, usually some offshoot related to some whatever kids books I was reading at the time. There were a lot of knockoffs of the Sweet Valley Twins kind of thing. <laughs> and then I, at some point, I discovered Star Trek. And that was, you know, a revelation of religious proportions. And there was a, really a clear before and after in my life, I feel, from discovering Star Trek when I was 10 or 11. And my first probably encounter with fan fiction or something similar was when I discovered a, a beat up copy of a Star Trek The Next Generation novel which was Vendetta by Peter David, and it blew my little mind wide open. I read it so many times, the binding fell apart. Just the idea that we could continue these stories semi-officially from what we were seeing on TV was really a revelation for me. And also, it was very funny. It was very cleverly written, and I loved it. And so I immediately started imitating it and wrote a lot of Star Trek fic when I was about that age, Star Trek Voyager started airing, and I was yes. really obsessed. So I wrote, I filled all of my free time, really, just me and my word processor writing about these characters. And 
later on, you know, I got into writing other shows that I was interested in, a lot of X-Files fic. And throughout most of this period of time, I really didn't realize that it was even called fan fiction, that it was a thing that existed in the world beyond my family. (laughs) Yeah, because at this point, you were just kind of doing it for yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. This was something, this was like a very wholesome hobby that I had and that my sister also sometimes participated in. And I'm sure that our parents were very happy that this was a thing that we were we were doing and keeping out of trouble was writing stories about these fictional characters that we loved so much. And I've been thinking about when did I first discover fan fiction? And right around the time when Voyager started airing, pretty you know, maybe a year or so after I got my first AOL account which of course had, you know, an email address that was connected to my real name because we thought back then they would be like social security numbers and we would have them for a lifetime. Um, (laughs) I remember my father being like, no, you're going to one day have to get a job with this email account. So you be very careful with it, which I did not do. I instead went on some AOL keyword chat about Star Trek and emailed back and forth with some people. I told them that I was writing stories. Some of them were also writing stories. Some of them shared them with me. And some of them were not appropriate for a 13-year-old to be reading. (laughs) So I sort of backed away from that whole sphere. I think I had some sense of self-preservation. Like, I think I am too young to read about Janeway and Chakotay having fun in a holodeck hot tub. And I'm just going to go back and keep working on my own stories just for fun and for my family. That was how I started writing fan fiction. And then I really discovered it again when I was old enough, when I went to college. And that was really the era of, I discovered Gossamer, fanfiction.net, somewhere in there, (laughs) trekiverse.org, which is, I'm sure you know, is that was the website that was collecting everything from the alt.startrek.creative. I was never on the news group, but I got the benefit where they had been archived. So, yeah, I went to college and became an insomniac and read fan fiction all night long. (laughs) So that was what what I did for fun. Oh, I love that. It's so funny because that kind of echoes my own college experience. I went off to college for the first time. I was 18 years old. And of course, I brought, you know, my clunky desktop computer with me. And I was so obsessed with reading fan fiction. I was reading Deep Space Nine fan fiction at the time. Yes. Yes. And it was one of those things where it was so awkward because I had roommates and they live in the room with me and I didn't quite know how to read fan fiction with people looking over my shoulder all day long, you know? So I was like constantly toggling between different websites, trying to make it look like I wasn't doing what I was doing, you know? (laughs) It was awful, but I read a lot of Deep Space Nine fan fiction back then. At college, it was fantastic. (laughs) Yes. That's fantastic. I think I was still reading a lot of Voyager fan fiction. I was reading Deep Space Nine also. I can't really remember. There there was a lot and it definitely kind of blew my hair back for sure. And I feel like I actually probably, I can't remember what, if anything, I was writing at the time. I feel like it really just supplanted my need to write my own fan fiction because all the way through high school, I used to get up really early before school to write fanfic so that I would have something to read that night as I went to bed. And now I didn't have to do the work anymore. Other people were doing the work for me, which was 
a fantastic development, I felt. <laughs> oh, I love that, though. That's so wholesome <laughs> that you wanted something to read so you would be your own hero and write your own stories. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I was absolutely my own number one fan. I think I'm probably still my own number one fan to this day. I'm, I'm <laughs> writing for a very specific target audience. <laughs> I love that, though, because I feel like that's what fan fiction is all about, though, right? Is that exploration and that discovery of whatever the hell we want. And we really don't care if other people are into it. We're just having a really good time doing whatever it is we want to do. <laughs> oh, that's so, so cool. I love that. Now, at some point, I'm sure you started sharing your fan fictions. Did you ever post anything on one of those old school archives or anything like that? a long time for me to start posting. And side note, I'm actually really, I'm really grateful. I think about this all the time that I got some of it out of the way before I discovered that it was something that could be shareable. I feel like I kind of learned to write quite a bit out of the public eye. It's no longer, it's not living out there on the Wayback Machine, which makes me very happy some days. But I really didn't start posting fanfic until a little bit later. I think it was probably maybe 2002, it was during the last season of The X-Files. I really enjoyed Doggett and Reyes together. And I found a forum. Do you remember forums? <laughs> yes. Oh, I was part of those. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered a forum that was like deep in the annals of an Annabeth Gish fan site, where it was such a small little fandom. And I mentioned that I was writing stories and, you know, the Four other people in this forum begged to see them. And so that is where my fan fiction publication career began. And I think for many, many years after that, all the way through the X-Files, and then I was in the SG-1 fandom a little bit, that really my writing had to be dragged out of me by very kind people who were like, no, no, I promise. Because I was so worried that I would be like degrading the quality of the entire internet by posting my writing <laughs> online. <laughs> Spoiling the internet, right? <laughs> yeah, it was really, uh, it was really an outsized sense of my own power. <laughs> but how cool is that? Like, I love the idea, the thought of that strangers meeting in a forum and getting so excited about the same things that everybody loves, and then just kind of sharing fan fictions with the people that you know. That sounds like such a intimate, special experience to have. Yeah, it really was, and. It opened up a whole new world to me of sharing my writing and reading other people's writing and getting to comment and contribute to that. Some of these people I met in person. Back then, I feel like fandoms, there was such a blending of personal life stories and fandom interests that I got to know some of these people really well. And one of them had an archive where she was, you know, a GeoCities archive where she was storing Doggett and Rhea's fan fiction. And so I was able to upload some things to that and really feel a part of a community. So that was my inauguration into the, the world of publishing fanfic. Oh, and I love that. I love that you said that about the old school presence of online fandom communities, because I have heard that from a lot of people who remember the, how would you put this, inaugural online fandom experience, right? where it was mostly forums and chat rooms and people really getting to know each other on a very personal level. 
and it was more integrated, I think, maybe sometimes with our real life <laughs> personalities and personas and stuff. And just that ability to get to know each other as people and not just random usernames and screen names on a computer just seemed more personal. I feel like we've lost that. I feel like that peaked in some ways with the live journal era, where I was very lucky to get to participate. A lot of my fandom life happened on live journal in the era when that was big. And then we were really like, we were just pouring out our whole souls and sharing drabbles like interchangeably. <laughs> so you never knew what you were going to get when you looked at your friends list. But I miss that integration of fandom community and fanfic, which I feel like is one of maybe two, only two downsides of the, the modern fanfiction era. What we've gained is so much more than what we have lost in having this beautiful AO3. But I do miss that fanfic community vibe. Yeah. Oh, and I'm so glad that you brought up that point that there have been so many gains too, because you're right. We have gained so many wonderful, beautiful things in modern fandom communities that are absolutely amazing and should be talked about and celebrated. So it is kind of like a balance, right? We've lost some things, but we've gained some things. And I feel like sometimes just having that awareness of the past, especially for the younger generations coming up who weren't there for Life Journal, so they don't know. <laughs> they don't remember. But I love bringing on people who do remember because the more awareness we have of what fandom can be and was, and I feel like it can be, again, through different avenues. You know, it's just something to think about, I think, for that awareness and everything. But, um, you know, one of the things that I remember, <laughs> or one of the things that I've observed, I think, just because I've been reading fan fiction for so long, I feel like I have observed an evolution of general attitudes about fan fiction. I started reading it back in the 90s. And I do feel like, in certain ways, general attitudes about fan fiction have evolved and changed from the 90s to now. Have you had any experience with that yourself? Well, in the 90s, aside from that brief foray onto a, uh, an AOL chat room keyword, the bridge, at never to be repeated. Was... <laughs> yes, I love that, the bridge. <laughs> um, which is somewhere still lodged in my memory banks. Apparently, it was a formative moment. So my fandom community in the 90s was like me, my sister, a few friends who watched Star Trek, mostly friends of our parents. And I had, you know, one friend who used to draw pretty dresses and tell me to make Scully wear them in my next story. And then I would. And then, of course, she wouldn't read the story. So my knowledge of fandom in the 90s is pretty limited. <laughs> the conclusion of that, I definitely didn't realize that fan fiction was or fandom was as large and broad as it was, which is interesting. I did go to a couple Star Trek conventions in the mid 90s. You did? Yeah, there must have been zines there. But it escaped my notice somehow. Oh, I love that you've been to conventions. I went to my first one ever in 2015. And it was a wonderful, terrible experience. I say wonderful because just being there was one of the most amazing things. And then I say terrible because like, I tried to talk to some of the actors, right? From, oh my God. Uh, Next Completely, Gen. completely traumatizing, right? Like forever. Oh, so traumatizing. I started bawling my eyes out. In front of them as I'm speaking to them. And I was like, I am never doing this again. I wake up in like cold sweat sometimes, like remembering just embarrassing moments that didn't even happen to me that I witnessed in <laughs> these Star Trek conventions of people asking oh, questions. Like, I cannot watch con videos. It was like something about some of those panels just, just got me. I don't know. I, 
I break into sweats <laughs> thinking about famous people. And I can't. I can't go back. Oh, I know. I know. I'm sure that somewhere out there, somebody probably captured video of me just making an absolute fool of myself in front of some of these uh, Star Trek actors. So it was wonderful and terrible all at once, and I'll remember it forever so fondly. And you know, one day I'll go back. It'll be fantastic. But I am so glad that you know what that experience is like, because it is just one of a kind. It's a one of a kind thing. You know, I feel like as I'm sitting here thinking about the evolving attitudes of fan fiction over the years and over the decades, I do feel like in some way, some of the general attitudes about fan fiction in the 90s and 2000s were probably very much tied to the fact that fan fiction really didn't have a safe home at the time. I feel like fan fiction was this underground internet thing that we kind of had to keep hidden because big corporations were after us. I mean, they were trying to shut yeah. down forums. They were trying to shut down archives. They were suing fan fiction authors. Cease and desist letters went out to people. I mean, it was this crazy thing where when you went to conventions, it was like the, the unspoken rule that you didn't talk about fan fiction to the actors. You know, you didn't show them your can fan bring, Can we bring that back, though? <laughs> that right? That's right? part of it. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's a rule for a reason, guys. Right? Like, And so, you know, because there were all these outside pressures and forces sort of forcing fan fiction into hiding, I do feel like that kind of did affect the way that us readers and writers thought about fan fiction and talked about fan fiction. In a way, I'm not saying that this is everybody. This is really just kind of a generalization and kind of coming out of my mouth as I'm thinking about it. But I remember that back in the 90s and the 2000s, there were a lot of people in and outside of the fan fiction community who kind of had cringy thoughts about fan fiction that, oh, it's silly. And, oh, it's just this weird thing that we do. And, you know, we don't want to talk about it with like normal people who won't understand because they'll make fun of us. And, and they should because it's terrible that we do this thing and blah, blah, blah. And there was a lot of shame behind it. And maybe, <laughs> maybe that's just me in my neck of the woods, but I definitely feel like there was some semblance of, of shame and some sort of sense that we needed to hide it. Definitely. And I think that also created a divide. I feel like if you, that most people just didn't know that it existed, including people like me who might have benefited from knowing that there were news groups and that there was an opportunity to read and share fan fiction. There was a whole community of it. So I think you're right that there was this kind of backdoor speakeasy feel to it. And somewhat for, for some of the same reasons that you're talking about the cease and desist letters and all of us begging people not to sue us in the author's notes, which persisted <laughs> right. for a very long time. So definitely that affected the attitudes of people both inside the community and probably not the people outside the community because they didn't even know about it. Right. A lot of people didn't know about it. Or if they did, it was in passing and they really didn't have much experience with it. And so they would form attitudes and opinions based on other people's weird opinions about fan fiction. And it just kind of went on and on and on. And I feel like I have observed, I would say the last 10 years, this incredible shift online on the attitudes of fan fiction. I think a lot of that, of course, is just newer generations have been discovering fan fiction younger and younger and younger. And so for a lot of folks out there, they kind of grew up reading fan fiction online. 
they grew up with AO3, right? A lot, of, a lot of the younger generations have grown up with AO3 as an archive that's always been there, right? And so I do feel like there has been this shift in recent modern times of people being more open about fan fiction, people being more apt to talk about it in public spaces. I don't know. It's just been really interesting to see those attitudes slowly evolve as people become more open and more willing to share and talk about it, not just within the community, but also outside of the community. I don't know if you ever had the chance to read the Bustle articles written by Emma Lord. I don't believe that she writes for that publication anymore, but around 2015, she wrote several really amazing articles about why she was pro fan fiction. She's a fan fiction writer herself. She's published now. She does original work now and she's published. But um, there she was back in 2015, publishing these very visible public articles about why she was pro fan fiction. And I just thought, wow, you would have never seen anything like that in decades prior. That's what I mean about public opinions about fan fiction, I feel like are slowly starting to change and become more positive as more and more and more of us are aware of this thing called fan fiction and more and more and more of us are participating in it. Yeah, I think, and I wonder how much of that is due to Fifty Shades of Grey and just the very fact that people have heard of it and that a lot of these people who are discovering it might never have known that it existed otherwise. And so just the fact that it's a word that entered the broader vocabulary. Yes. Oh, I love that point. I love that. It kind of launched the concept of fan fiction into public awareness in a way that maybe wasn't there before. A lot of people who had never heard of fan fiction all of a sudden knew what it was because of Fifty Shades of Grey, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, and I feel like this, that's one of those things. There's a double-edged sword with it, but I sort of feel like the question of why aren't you monetizing this, which maybe came up for some people after Fifty Shades of Grey when people are like, hey, you know, this is actually clearly there's a way for you to become famous doing this, so why aren't you? But in a way, that's an easier question to deal with than the question of like, what is this? Suddenly, just the fact that that exists as a hobby. So I feel like obviously, because of the nature of Fifty Shades of Grey, it caused a different type of ridicule to happen in connection with writing and reading fan fiction. But after the dust settled a few years later, I think it has allowed it to become a part of the public consciousness, like you said. I love that. And we'll kind of go back to that here in a little bit, because I want to explore that just a little bit more. But first, I wanted to ask you about your personal opinions and thoughts about fan fiction as a concept. This being a fan fiction positive podcast, of course, we <laughs> talk a lot about what we love about fan fiction. And I want to know, what is it for you? Why is fan fiction amazing? Why do you love it? Why is it worth writing and reading? It's so amazing, isn't it? It's so amazing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't know that I can possibly condense this into a really coherent answer, but I will, I'll give it my best shot. So I come from a, a creative family. My parents were both professional musicians and continued to explore other creative arts after those careers ended. And so I was really raised with creativity in, in the foreground and this idea that it's so necessary for a rich life. And I think that Fan fiction is this really delightful type of communal creativity, the way that it exists right now, that it's, it's like these great outpourings of love for the characters, often not for the franchise or the show that they're part of, but for the characters. And how wonderful is it that 
I might love these characters so much that I'm giving something of myself to them and that I get to experience how dozens or if you're lucky, hundreds or thousands of other people also love these characters that I love. So I really feel like fan fiction is it's a true labor of creative love. And it's so much more than that. But I feel like it's, it's hard now for me to sort of separate the writing and reading of fan fiction from the community nature. I feel like it's all bound up together. Like when I, if you had just asked me, like, why is it worth reading fan fiction? My answer may have just begun and ended with like, it gives me so much joy. And like, that's enough. Like the world is hard enough. It is delightful to find something that gives me that much joy as reading fan fiction. And it's such a, it's just like the low hanging fruit of joy because I know these characters, I know the settings, I know what's probably going to happen and I can just enjoy it without having to expend a lot of energy like I would if I was watching a movie or reading an original book where there's a little bit of output of energy that's required to sort of take these new characters into my consciousness and my existence. Whereas I can pick up a fan fiction about my favorite characters and I'm right there. I don't need the explanation paragraphs to know what's happening. Yeah, you don't have to like really work and force yourself to care about the character in the story, right? (laughs) (laughs) I already care about them and I read the tags. I know that they're going to get together (laughs) in 176,000 words. (laughs) Uh, so, So there's that simple joy of reading about these characters that I love so much. And I feel like the writing of it is a much more complex answer that I'm trying to think through. And so some of that is what I was saying is that I feel like creativity is is important for me to feel like I'm fully alive, to feel like I'm doing something creative. And it's it's not always writing for me, but I feel like that's my home base. That's what I feel best about when I'm doing it. Writing fanfic has gotten me through some really challenging things in life. I think many fanfic writers would probably say the same thing. I was saying that I wrote all those Star Trek fan fictions when I was a kid. And when I think back to what I was writing, you know, like there were some times in my childhood that were pretty unstable. And in the worst of it, I wrote all the time, just like down to dusk, whenever there was a free moment, I was I was writing these things. And without realizing it, I was taking these destabilizing, traumatic things that were happening around me that I had no control over that were too much for a 12-year-old to really process. And I was using fanfic to blow them up to galactic proportions, totally unaware. I thought I was inventing these plots whole cloth. They had absolutely nothing to do with my life because they didn't look like my life. But then I could throw starships at it. I could throw Starfleet captains at it. I could send the best and most qualified fictional heroes that I had to face this enormous science fiction problem that, of course, has nothing to do with my real life. And In doing so, I I gave myself company at a time when I really needed it. And I think that's how fan fiction, writing fanfic feels to me. It's like I'm, I get to surround myself with these characters that I love so much and go on these adventures with them. Although I will say that most of my writing is is not particularly adventure focused. I think I write more character pieces than Like, I may have gotten the Galactic Wars out of my system when I was a teenager. (laughs) Oh, but I love that answer. 
I love that answer because, you know, as you're describing being a kid and going through these experiences and kind of using writing to help keep you company, but it also, in a way, sounds like it was a way for you to process the things that were happening as well. And it reminds me so much of the old school comics that were being written during World War II. For a lot of people, that was how they processed what was happening. And so it's just kind of interesting, like that parallel and that dynamic of using art and creativity to help us through some of the hardest things that we experience as human beings. So I love that. I love that that has been part of your experience because I feel like that's so honest and so human. Thank you. Yeah. And then and then it evolves, you know, into becoming a way to contribute to a community and that experience of sharing something personal that I might not realize is personal and, and getting positive feedback. And I think I involve myself most in fandom in dark times. And I've had some health issues in my life that have made it difficult. When I first got really into fandom in the early 2000s, like I was pretty ill. I was in my early 20s and I was basically housebound for a year with an illness. And it connected me to something bigger than myself. So I was able to offer something of value to other people. And it gave me the sense that it mattered that I was alive, as dramatic as that sounds. And so the writing helped both internally when I wasn't necessarily sharing it with anyone, but that it created a whole other kind of connection once I was involved in fandom and was able to sort of shyly show this to other people. And they would be like, yay, this is great. Thank you for sharing this. You did not, in fact, destroy the internet. I think that the community aspect that you have been talking about in your responses here, I think that's part of my favorite thing about fan fiction and fandom in general is the community aspect. Human beings have always been communal creatures, always since the beginning of time. And always we have sat around those campfires in our tribal communities and we have listened to the storytellers tell their stories. And I feel like AO3 and fan fiction that is our campfire. And we're sitting around <laughs> and we're hearing each other's stories. And those stories are helping us connect, not just to these characters that we love so much, but they're helping us to connect with ourselves and they're helping us to connect with each other. And that does matter. It does. Yeah, it definitely matters. And I think it matters more at some points in our lives than others. And I'm just really grateful. I'm really grateful that it's there. I love the way that you talk about and not just now, but in your podcast in general, talking about it as a campfire, because that helps me to visualize just a really gigantic campfire. And sometimes it feels like a really gigantic sleepover. Like, I'm just thinking of, you know, after watching some episode of television, you know, there'd be some episode of Star Trek that really was a revelation of some kind or another to my tiny brain. I go into a dark room with my sister and we can't sleep. Because we're all like, well, what if this happened? What if this happened? What if this is how so-and-so found out that so-and-so did this? And <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, the expansion of that to such a global scale that you're finding all of these other people who would like to sit around the very same campfire as you and talk about the exact same thing and read about the same people doing the same thing that you really want to talk about. Yes, yes. It's this connective experience. We're connecting with each other and it's a beautiful thing. I think it's just so beautiful. <laughs> I could talk about it all day. Literally, I could. Um. 
You know, I think if you put all of your podcasts together, you have, in fact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, probably. I probably have at this point. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I should take down all of the hours of podcasting, put them all together and see how many. That's one stat I haven't put together yet. So thank you for that suggestion. <laughs> You're welcome. Something came out of this conversation. <laughs> Now, I want to make sure that we give ample time to talking about your Tumblr post. You know, I said at the beginning of the show that I was just so drawn to this post and just it was so beautiful the way that you put this. I was hoping that you could actually read the post out loud, even though thousands of us have seen it. I'm sure that there are plenty in our audience who may have not seen it or heard it. So I know that you have that post kind of pulled up in front of you. I do now. <laughs> it, it, it closed. <laughs> People were sending me Tumblr chats and I had to close it, but now now I've opened it again. So Ooh, perfect. If you would like, I will I will read it. Please. Yeah, I think this was from Oh, look, it even tells me the date. It's July 1st of 2020. My dad, also a writer, came to visit, and I mentioned that the best thing to come out of the layoff is that I'm writing again. He asked what I was writing about, and I said what I always do. Oh, just fanfic, which is code for Let's not look at this too deeply, because I'm basically just making action figures kiss in text form. And this awkward follow-up question is exactly why I don't call myself a writer in public. He said, you have to stop doing that. I know, I know, because it's even more embarrassing to be embarrassed about writing fanfic, considering how many posts I've reblogged in its defense. But I misunderstood his original question. Fanfic is just the genre. I asked what you're writing about. I did the conversational equivalent of a spinning wheel cursor for at least a minute. I started peeling back the setting and the characters, the thick challenge, and the specific episode the story jumps off from, and it was one of those slow dawning light bulb moments. I'm writing about loneliness and who we are in the absence of purpose, as I imagine are a lot of people right now who probably also don't realize they're writing an existential diary in the guise of getting television characters to fuck. That's what you're writing. The rest is just how you get there and how you get it out into the world. Was Richard III really about Richard III? Would Shakespeare have gotten as many people to see it if it wasn't a story they knew? So, my friends, what are you writing about? Ah, thank you so much for reading that. I mean, like, the first time I read that, I was blown away. But hearing it in your own voice, ah, that's such a treat. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so glad I got through that in one take. <laughs> Oh, that's so perfect. I love that. But yeah, there were so many amazing parts of that post. I kind of wanted to break it down a little bit. The first part of your post, I think, is kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about some of those initial attitudes that I remember about fan fiction in the 90s and early 2000s, because I feel like some of those attitudes still, we have brought them into our thoughts and attitudes today. We still bring those with us, you know, to some extent where I know that a lot of times our gut reaction or our jerk reaction sometimes when we're talking about fan fiction or thinking about fan fiction might be a little cringy, like, oh, it's only fan fiction. I, I love how you put it in there, like, oh, I'm just making my dollies kiss, you know, that's kind of just what I'm doing. Okay, but that is often what it feels like. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. And a lot of people say that, and I'm not saying that fan fiction's not that. It's, obviously it is. And those are my favorite ones. But I think sometimes we stop it there in the conversation, right? I don't know why, but we stop it there sometimes and just say, ah, it's just fan fiction. Yeah, there's that attempt to get away from the conversation as quickly as possible. I think there's that impulse. 
Yeah, yeah. That impulse to just be like, and I think sometimes that it affects the way that fan fiction writers think about themselves and their own writing. Because if you think of fan fiction as just this, ah, you know, it's just, you know, something silly or, ah, it's just, you know, an excuse to make two characters fuck or, or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course. Like, like I said, my favorite stories. But, um, <laughs> but I think that it's a shame that fan fiction writers would stop there and think that that's all they are and that's all they're doing, you know? And that's why I love that question that your dad put out there into the ether. Like, no, what are you actually writing about? Because fan fiction is just the genre. It's like any artist, right? Painters have lots of different mediums that they use. Artists have lots of different mediums that they use. So fan fiction is just the genre. It's just the mode that writers are using to tell a story. And that doesn't make it wrong. And that doesn't make it any less valid or beautiful than any other type of writing. It really resonated with me when he talked about the connection with an audience, too. I mean, this was part of a larger conversation, and we really kind of got into that. He talked a little bit about how wonderful it is that through fanfic, there is an audience who wants to read what I have to say and who likes it and then, and then tells me that they got some value from it and how that really completes this beautiful circle of creativity of getting to tell a story and have an audience all without having to be published in a conventional sense, without having to do all of the things that have to happen in order to be a paid writer. Right. That really resonated with me a lot and stuck with me. Oh, and I love that. I can't remember who I was talking to, but I was talking to another fan fiction writer recently, and they kind of said the same thing, that where else can a writer go to get this much interaction and this much feedback and this much community? Because for a lot of writers out there who aren't involved in fan fiction, writing can be a very lonely, isolating experience. And I think for a lot of writers who are professional writers, it can be a very stressful experience that there's a lot riding on it. I think that's what I recognized as a child of artists is that there is a real benefit to being an amateur for doing something out of love without having to find an audience in order to put bread on the table. So there's a real wonderful opportunity that we have to do and say and write exactly what we want and allow the audience to find us. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. I think that this post helping a lot of people understand that they're writing about other things besides just the characters and just the canon. We were talking a little bit before the show about my experience discovering fan fiction as a teenager versus my experience reading fan fiction now as a middle-aged adult. At some point in my adult years, I started to realize that, hey, these fan fiction stories that I'm discovering and reading and loving, there's something deeper happening with these stories. And it's, of course, they're fun to read and they're very entertaining and, you know, all of that. But I started to realize and <laughs> become aware that they were doing something more than just entertain, if that makes sense. So many stories out there that are fan fiction are telling really poignant, deep stories about very human experiences. Like you mentioned in the post, you were writing about loneliness. Who are we in the absence of purpose? 
which was a huge theme in 2020 (laughs) during COVID times when we're all like floundering around trying to figure out what does this new normal mean for me and my self-identity, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It made a really obvious direct connection (laughs) when I I had to say that out loud. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. That thing I was doing when I was 12 and was taking my life and blowing it up into a galactic war. I'm still doing that, actually. (laughs) It's happening in real time. Good. Thank God. Thank God, because you writers that do that, ah, I cannot describe to you. You know, uh, we were talking before the show again about how I'm a reader of fan fiction. I'm not necessarily a writer. I'm a consumer. I'm a reader. And from a reader's perspective, you fan fiction writers that write about common life experiences, I cannot tell you how meaningful that is for me as a reader, how much that has changed my life, how impactful that's been for me to be able to see a fan fiction story that is so relatable to what I'm going through in that moment. I really want fan fiction writers out there to understand that what you do is so real and it's so valid and and you are all writing about things that matter. Like you are. You're writing about loneliness and you're writing about grief and you're writing about love and all of these really important human experiences that we're all going through. And sometimes we all need help with, what's the word I'm looking for? Processing, right? (laughs) We all need help with processing or just sometimes what we need is just that experience of hearing somebody else tell our story in words that we couldn't come up with ourselves, you know? And so I'm sure a lot of people read your work about isolation and loneliness and really felt connected to that because we were all having that collective experience in 2020. And I feel like that happens for fan fiction a lot, that a lot of us as readers and writers can really connect on a personal level with these fan fictions. And what you guys are doing with the writing of the fan fiction is important and it matters. As you're talking, I'm thinking about how it's not just that we are writing about grief or about loneliness or about any of these other grand topics or about getting married or having a baby, all these things. It's not just that we are writing about them. We are putting those situations into the lives and hands of characters that we really love and care a lot about in a container where almost always we will bring them through to the other side. And if we're not going to Usually, you know, there's like a little splash question mark that this has not been finished or or (laughs) there's a little no happy endings tag. But so much. I mean, I'm thinking about like the hurt comfort phenomenon. We're doing it to these characters who we know have friends and people who care about them and who are in a situation where we know their life is important. Like we are assigning these very difficult things to very capable people that we already love. uh, this is this is a, a half-formed idea that's just coming to me as you're talking, but I think there's something about that that really lets fanfic bypass our brains in some way and go right into our hearts because we already have so many feelings about the people this is happening to. Yes, and I'm so glad that you said that. I was having these thoughts with myself. Because sometimes I'm sitting here in my own house by myself. There's no one here to talk to except my cat and my dog. And they're not interested in talking about fan fiction. So so, sometimes it's just me sitting here talking to myself. (laughs) And I was saying essentially the same thing to myself the other day that, you know what? 
there is something about reading about these real life situations and scenarios, like you said, grief, loneliness, loss, whatever the experience is, there is something different about reading that experience and that scenario through the eyes of a character that I am already so deeply emotionally attached to. It hits different to me than reading an original novel where an original character is going through that situation or that scenario. But I don't know her. I don't know him, right? Like, this is a stranger that I'm reading about. You have to fall in love with them. Yes! You have to to fall in love with the character. And in this case, you're already in love. (laughs) Yes! You're you're like, I'm I'm in. I'm sold. I care about Spock. Let's deal with this. (laughs) Yes! Something hits different. You are so right. When it's someone that you already love, you're deeply in love with that character already for whatever reason. And then you see them go through that scenario and it just, it's more meaningful that way. I don't know why. I'm still like formulating in my brain here and there about why that's so powerful. So like these characters that we know and love are fabulous vehicles for exploring these real life topics, these real life situations and scenarios. This conversation that you had with your dad was just so beautiful and so poignant. Did you feel like this experience with your dad here, did that shift your own perspective on what fan fiction is? Did it shift your opinions or perspectives on the way that you write or the way that you think and talk about fan fiction? I was just very curious to know how this conversation affected you personally as a fan fiction writer. I think it took away this imaginary finish line of original fic that I didn't realize was even still in my awareness. That because I I have no intention of becoming a published author, and that was something that I decided very young because I, I may have already said this, but because my parents were musicians and I saw how that really impacted their ability to enjoy music because it was something that they had to be professionally excellent at in order to survive in their chosen profession. And I didn't want that. I thought I was just going to write for myself forever. I didn't realize that I would have the benefit of having an audience, which is why I'm so delighted at the chance to have one. But I did still feel that lingering sense that I'm uncreative, that when I was a kid writing these stories, I was always like, God, I must be the most uncreative child in the world. Everybody else is out there clearly writing their own characters and their own world and just coming up with their own Star Treks. And I'm playing with somebody else's Star Trek. And I didn't realize really until I had this conversation and then wrote it down and saw that like, oh, I'm just working on fanfic. Like, yeah, apparently on some level, I was still embarrassed about that and feeling like I should have kind of graduated out of that into writing whole stories. I remember trying to explain to my parents about fanfic when I was writing it, when they were like, oh, you know, you're actually getting pretty good. Why don't you, why don't you write something of your own? Before you discovered that Star Trek novel, you used to write your own stuff. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And the way that I kind of, I explained it to them was that I was like, no, fanfic, it's like an artistic study. You know, you have these really great artists and you'll find a sketchbook that's just full of nothing but hands. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a study on human relationships, but don't worry, I'm going to get to the real stuff later. And I think this conversation with my dad helped me realize that I was no longer looking to get to the real stuff. Like this, this is it. 
life makes me incredibly happy and is really fulfilling to me all on its own. And I don't need to feel like this is a stepping stone if I don't actually want to get to the next level. Like this is actually a complete art in and of itself. Yes, this is the real stuff. It is. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> and this is, if this is what I want to do, you know, that this is a really, you know, it's still a wholesome hobby, just the way it was when I was a kid. <laughs> yes. Oh, and I love that. I love that. You know, that imagery of that finish line in your answer is just so beautiful. I absolutely love that. Not being a writer myself, like I'm sure that I can't relate to that on such a deep level as many of my writer friends out there can. But yeah, I imagine that a lot of writers probably feel like that, right? That there's some like imaginary finish line. And I bet a lot of people do feel pressure from outside forces or internal forces to kind of, I don't know. Be a real writer. Yeah. Yeah. Real writing, quote unquote. So I love that perspective that this is real writing. It is. Yeah. I think you also asked if it impacted the way that I write. Yeah. And I don't know that it did necessarily. I think right away I went, and I've seen this a lot, so I never deleted this post. So I still get the notes in my activity feed of people sort of realizing this. And I had this this reaction of like, oh my God, oh no, my whole soul is out there and people are looking at it. Like, what am I, what am I posting on the internet that I'm unaware of? And I've seen that <laughs> come up for, for other people as they realize what they've been posting online this whole time. So I think I had, you know, a couple weeks of paranoia about that. And then I maybe, I maybe put it aside, but it certainly changes how I talk about writing. Because I don't think I'm afraid anymore to say that I'm writing. And I don't necessarily say that I'm writing fan fiction. Like, this just happened this week that a doctor actually was asking me, like, oh, well, you know, what are you going to be doing at home this weekend? Like, how are you going to be filling your time? And I said, oh, well, you know, I have a writing project that I'm working on that I'm, you know, excited about working on. And then, of course, the question like, oh, well, what are you writing? And <laughs> it's like... I'm not going to say that I'm going home to write praise kink fic. So <laughs> I'm going to take a pause, take a breath here. And <laughs> remember that I'm about to go on a podcast talking about this. So I'm going to have a good answer. And so I came, I said something about how, you know, oh, I'm writing a story about how our perceptions of ourselves, you know, and how hard that is to overcome. And, you know, then it's like, oh, great. Well, can I read it? And it's like, no, you know, it's really not ready to be seen by other people. And that's the end of the conversation. And it was really freeing to have those words and sort of that permission from my dad to say, yeah, I'm writing. It's the act of writing. And that is actually what I'm writing about, even if I don't realize that's what I'm writing about until it comes out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I love that. What you just said there, permission from your dad to like restructure the way that you talk about writing. That is just so stinking cool. I wasn't embarrassed about this when I was a kid. It was something really fun and cool to do. Even if it was, oh, I'm, I'm writing about Star Trek. Like that's totally something that as a 12-year-old, I would tell my parents' friends and they'd be like, oh, that's really cute. As you were saying that, I was thinking, wow, she's so right that when we're kids, I think that our awareness 
of things that we ought to be ashamed of really isn't quite there, right? Because we're just, we're kids and we just find the joy in it. And we have no concept at all that we should be ashamed of it. And then we grow up and, you know, we start caring about other people's opinions <laughs> perceptions of us and stuff like that. And I think sometimes the tendency is to, you know, have a little bit of shame sometimes surrounding our hobbies or the things that we love, especially if they're not considered, quote unquote, socially acceptable for whatever reason. And that really can affect the way that we think about them, the way that we think about ourselves and the way that we talk about them in public places. I love that, that it's changed the way that you talk about fan fiction a little bit. And honestly, that's my hope for all fan fiction writers. I hope that on some level, as we become more comfortable talking about fan fiction in public spaces, as we become more comfortable calling ourselves writers, as we become more comfortable talking about all of the amazing, cool, positive, beautiful things about fan fiction and all of the things that it is and can be that more writers out there feel comfortable framing their conversations around fan fiction in this way that your post showed us. Ultimately, I just have that hope that fan fiction writers can feel that pride in, in what they do, that they can believe that what they're doing is important and that it's valid and that it's wonderful because it is. I think it is. I also, I want to go a little bit further even and say that there is benefit in creating in the act of writing, even if it's terrible, if it's terrible, if it's unfinished, if it's something that's never, ever going to be shared, we're adding something to the universe from yourself. It's a way of expressing your own little pocket of the human condition and just trying to find a way to express it, whether that's to resolve it for yourself or just to have fun the way that we did as kids. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think there's actually a lot right with it. And sometimes I think in the fan fiction conversation, there's a lot of weight put on the reception that a fanfic gets. You know, what time do I post it? So most people see it. And what is my kudos to hits ratio and all these things, which I totally, totally fall into that habit as well. Like I, I can't pretend that I never think about those things. But one of my favorite quotes is blasting back into my brain, and I don't know if it's relevant, but I read this in, in high school English. It's from the book Shoeless Joe, you know, that became Field of Dreams. And there's a, a character in there that's based on J.D. Salinger. So other people get into occupations by accident or design, but writers are born. I could work at selling motels or slopping hogs for 50 years, but if someone asked my occupation, I'd say writer, even if I'd never sold a word. Writers write, other people talk. And that's beautiful because it removes the requirement to be professionally published in order to call yourself a writer, right? And unprofessionally published. I'm, I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. She's talking to me in my embarrassing little Google Docs that I keep hidden in, on the internet of my little writing projects that I will probably never publish. <laughs> but I don't, but the thing is, I don't think you have to. I think the act of creation is actually done when it's created. And this is a separate beautiful thing that sometimes we share it with people and sometimes they receive it well. And sometimes it makes meaning for them. But just the act of trying to write 
brings meaning to you. Oh, and I love that. A thousand percent yes. A thousand percent yes. I just love what you've said about the act of creating and how meaningful that is and how special. You know, just the fact that you are putting something into the universe, how incredible is that, right? Like, how incredible is that that you're adding something beautiful to the universe just by existing and just by writing? Thank you for bringing that today. That is absolutely gorgeous. Going along a little bit with that, as we head into the new year, do you have any words of advice or encouragement that you'd like to offer to the fan fiction writers out there before we close out the show today? So the first thought is that just has been kind of developing a little bit as we talk is that, you know, we talk about how, oh, fanfic writing used to be cringe and we need to make it like less cringe. And actually, I feel like in 2022, we should give the gift to ourselves of being more cringy. I think we should look our cringe in the face and just go with it a little bit. I think that we owe it to ourselves. I'm thinking about myself here. I'm thinking about that story I was I kept mentioning when I was 12 and there was a whole galactic war. I did not mention that in that story, Captain Janeway had, you know, a preteen, half alien, telepathic princess, an actual princess daughter who happened to look a lot like me, but with a decorative Star Trek forehead. Yes, <laughs> I love it. And, uh, you know, as we've been talking, I've been kind of wondering what happened to her, you know, <laughs> And I think in 2022, I'm going to just as a gift to myself, just write myself a little fanfic about what happened to Captain Janeway's princess daughter. And don't worry, I will not share it with anyone. No one else has to read this. But I think that we owe it to ourselves a little bit to when we feel like something is cringy to like cringe even harder, like be the second person OC self-insert Thundercats porn you wish to see in the world. <laughs> Embrace the cringe. I love that advice. <laughs> so that, that was my one, my one encouragement. And my other encouragement, I think, is a little, bit, a little bit more serious, but loops back to what we touched on briefly, the difference in fandom, fandom now versus fandom in the live journal days or in other days where fanfic was more integrated with the rest of fandom life and fandom community. And that's that I feel like, at least in some fandoms that I've been involved in, we've lost a little bit of the culture of developing other writers. And I'm specifically thinking about how there used to be this big barrier to entry in a lot of archives that we don't have with AO3, where sometimes, I mean, sometimes you had to know someone, but often you had to have your story beta read. And I feel like in some really lucky cases that created a pathway for writers to develop. And I say that because that was definitely true for me, um, that I would be in no way the writer that I am now, however bad or good that may be, if it wasn't for being sort of fished out of obscurity by LiveJournal user BSID, <laughs> who really lovingly beta read my work in the Stargate SG-1 fandom. And I've tried to repay that sometimes with other young writers, but I would just really love to see that come back into fashion. And not just the beta reading, like, I think everybody needs a sort of first reader for their fic. I have one in every fandom, like the person who's going to read it and tell me no matter what is just going to tell me it's amazing. You should post it right now. It's my new favorite story. 
definitely post it. Like, I think that's a really important person to have. But if a writer has never had the opportunity to have someone really do a line-by-line reading of one of their pieces and offer them comments and suggestions, and I was confused here, what did you mean by this? Or like, oh, I really think that you could hit it harder here. That I hope at some point in 2022, you might find someone who's willing to do that for you. And actually, the way to do that is that us as writers and us as readers and fanfic enthusiasts, if you find a writer that you really love and that you want to see them develop and you think that you might have something to offer them, to ask them if they ever want you to beta one of their future stories and to give it that kind of loving care and attention because it's just a really lovely and rewarding thing on all sides. And I think that's certainly an important thing for me that I'm rediscovering is how much benefit I get from having my stories beta read, even though I sort of was like, oh, no, I can do it myself. I've been beta reading for other people. No, (laughs) it's actually really (laughs) helpful to have somebody else look at it and feel empowered to let me know when something doesn't make sense. Absolutely. Do you have any last words for us today before we close out? You know, I think I've probably given too many words. Now I've confessed my childhood OC to everyone and that I am, in fact, (laughs) going to continue to write her. (laughs) She sounds absolutely fabulous. So I hope that you do because she deserves more stories written about her for sure. (laughs) This is what happens when you get me really late at night. So I hope that there's... I hope that you find something of value in this time that we have spent together. I have had a really fantastic time talking with you and talking about this thing that I love so much. So hopefully a few words of it were coherent for you. Oh, absolutely. This is going to be a really, really great episode. I'm super looking forward to seeing how it all turns out at the end. But we will leave you all with those thoughts. Happy holidays to everyone celebrating. And I wish all of you an extraordinary new year. My little red girl, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your thoughts. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram at fanficmaverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling. <laughs>